You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hi, it's Wade Zaglis here, Education Editor for Campus Review. Monday night's Four Corners program raised serious questions about Australia's university sector, with allegations of international students being viewed as cash cows, English language requirements being waived at some universities, and glossy marketing campaigns that seem to be selling a lie to students. But is there another side to this story? Today we're talking to Phil Honeywood, CEO of the International Education Association of Australia. Phil, what annoyed or disappointed you most about the Four Corners program? Well, Wade, this is the third such Four Corners program in as many years. And according to the ABC Charter, the ABC, in its many guises, is supposed to adhere to balanced coverage, balanced reporting. Mm -hmm. Nothing could be further from the truth with Four Corners. On each occasion, uh, in the last three episodes that they've attacked the international education sector, it's been very one-sided. And on this occasion, Margaret Gardner was fortunate enough to be the spokesperson for the sector, but any attempt to reach out to others was just dismissed because they had their story. Their story was going to be yet another attack on international education and this incredible industry that's just been driving Australia's future success in our own region now for many years. Are there legitimate reasons why any university should be waiving English language requirements, seeing as though... as the, as the program suggested, it could subject international students to, say, academic failure or social cultural isolation? Well, of course, there are many universities around the world, including some of our key student source countries, such as China, uh, such as India, who teach their secondary school programs and their undergraduate programs entirely in the English language. Mm-hmm. And so there are many, many legitimate cases where overseas offshore universities are sending students who are entirely competent in the English language. Mm-hmm. I was particularly upset with the Four Corners program where they interviewed two Chinese female students and the only reason for them interviewing them seemed to be almost to try and trick these two girls up on their conversational English and I think the two girls did an outstanding job given that they were standing in a crowd of people and we're trying to uh, take on the reporter's questions. But so uh, I think we have to understand, particularly given that most Australians don't speak a second language mm-hmm. and have never attempted to understand uh, what it's like to come from a language other than English speaking background, that just because somebody can't articulate themselves that well doesn't mean that they're not fluent or close to fluent in English as their second language. So there are legitimate reasons as to why a university can waive English language requirements. Mm-hmm. In the case of one university in particular that was identified, I think there may be a case for them to look at their um, entry standards because uh, it's very unfortunate if you rely on one company, a commercial company based in another country, to make these decisions for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have to understand in Australia that we always accord our universities with autonomous academic um, credentialing, and uh, we don't want to interfere with that too much. But my understanding is that uh, on this occasion, uh, particularly universities being 
uh, really interviewed strongly by the national regulator okay. as we speak. Uh, international students want the local experience when they come to Australia, yet the program suggested that many of them aren't getting this. Uh, what, do, what do you say to this? Is that your understanding? This is a two-way street. Unfortunately, student behaviour can often lead to lack of integration. So, for example, certain cultures are much more comfortable living in shared houses with the same culture, mm -hmm. and that means that from day one when they arrive in Australia, often they've pre-organised their accommodation options through a cousin and a friend of a friend, whatever, and they're living in a shared house, often in a remote suburb. So in that shared house environment, they're speaking their home country dialect. Uh, when they go to campus, they hang around with students from the same culture. And there are cases where their English language speaking ability can go backwards because of their own behaviour and not uh, attempting to really integrate with the Australian culture mm -hmm. and the, with people from different cultures who are using English as the main form of communication. So student behaviour cannot be overlooked as a reason as to why some of these unfortunate lack of integration situations occur. But most universities are doing the right thing. They've got any number of activities, events that are focused on trying to better integrate overseas students into the Australian setting. Uh, that happens from day one in orientation week with every university really you know, handing out football passes, having uh, buddy programs where uh, domestic students um, are given certificates and other forms of recognition for buddying up with an international student. Wollongong's had a wonderful example uh, for many years now of uh, the local community have the invite an international student home for dinner okay. program and many hundreds of international students who attend Wollongong University and other providers there that take advantage of that opportunity to engage with Australian families. So there are any number of programs that are available. I think it also comes down to um, issues around jobs as well that often, because international students can work in our economy 20 hours a week, uh, sometimes they get jobs through word of mouth from other international students. And again, even in the job setting, yeah, so it's reinforced, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're working with fellow, um, same same culture, um, ethnic background students. So really, uh, it's a difficult one because to what extent do you, you know, I guess, sort of bludgeon, proverbially, uh, people into trying to integrate yeah. um, when when there's a lot of factors at play. I guess it's a, it's a bit uh, a bit big for the universities uh, to deal with exclusively. It seems like, you know, it's to do with the culture, it's to do with the workforce as well. Ab absolutely. And, and look, I've had this experience myself. I was an exchange student to Tokyo, Japan for one year when I was 17. But fortunately for me, I was the only uh, foreign student in my school. So... You know, it was sink or swim. I had to, I had to engage in that culture, but you know when you come to a country like Australia as part of a larger cohort, it wouldn't matter. It was only three or four students. Mm -hmm. The inclination is to hang together, and uh, uh, not really engage as much as well. Uh, for me, one of the most troubling parts of the program was Daniel Manganaro's experience of being excluded in a tutorial group because his peers weren't speaking in English. He later dropped the subject. Do you, th do you think this is fair? Do you think this is happening more than it should be happening? And is this something that 
universities need to do more about? I would totally agree that in a tutorial group situation, English must be the language medium that is uh, used by students. I mean, they're here to utilise the English language as a lingua franca, mm -hmm. and it's totally wrong for any two group to speak uh, in a language other than English. I've never heard of another situations, a situation akin to Daniel's, mm -hmm. and if I was in Daniel's shoes, I would go to the institution and say, look, this is just not appropriate, mm -hmm. and I want to be part of a tutorial group that's you know, using English as a medium uh, language. I'm not sure, I can't exactly recall whether he took advantage of that complaint mechanism or not. Mm. But uh, my answer to that was no, it shouldn't be happening in any university setting. And in all of that, of course, we have to acknowledge that many full fee play international students who come from countries in Asia, they don't come from the same pedagogical systems that we have in Australia. In other words, myself having gone to a Japanese boys senior secondary school for a year, it's largely rote learning. Mm -hmm. um, you, you bow to the teacher at the start of each lesson, you bow to them at the end, you take copious notes from the teacher. And that whole pedagogical way of doing things in Australia around uh, critical thinking, mm, inquiry around, learning, and yeah, student you know, led, and around yeah. project based you know, mm -hmm. teamwork, which is just so uh, such a great attribute of the Australian education system, and why many Asian students come here because they want to be able to become more free thinking. Um, unfortunately, not coming from that background, they uh, often um, find it very difficult to contribute initially in project based teamwork. Phil, what part of the international student story didn't this program cover? We know it's a $7 billion a year business that's critical for our economy and, uh, you know, for our multicultural society. But what else? Well, this program, yet again, the third time in as many years, Four Corners did not in any shape, manner or form explain the incredible soft power and soft diplomacy benefits that have accrued to Australia by educate, educating the world's and particularly in our own region's future leaders. They didn't highlight any case studies of alum who've gone from Australia, graduated from one of our universities or even you know, a TAFE situation with a mm -hmm. high-level high technical skill and gone on to be leading scientists, academics, politicians even, um, and entrepreneurs in their home countries. It left people to think that many of these students go on to a migration outcome when, in fact, mm -hmm. a Treasury Department report that came out last August with Home Affairs Department indicated that 84% of all fee-paying fee international students who come to Australia go back to their home country after completing their period of study and a post-study work right visa for two mm. years. So uh, that whole migration carrot has really effectively been closed down some years ago compared to Canada and New Zealand who still provide a means for students to get onshore migration outcomes from their education over in those countries. So really, I was really disappointed in that some of the wonderful integration stories and wonderful launching young people as global citizens into so many worthwhile careers elsewhere never came to the fore. And in all of that, of course, if we do this well, 
then young Australian students enhance their intercultural competency by mixing with international students in the classroom. Phil Honeywood, CEO of the International Education Association of Australia, thank you for talking to Campus Review. Thank you, Wade.